Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, and I know that many of you maybe haven't been, um, or maybe you have, but it doesn't matter because um, uh, this night stands alone. But we've been talking together for the last several weeks on the theme of Backstage Christmas. And the reason we've been talking about Backstage Christmas as a December theme on Sundays is because of the fact that we had the chance, as Debbie mentioned earlier, to host our local high school Hanover Central uh, Thespian Society uh, with their, their auditorium being under construction with all the construction going on there. And uh, we're so honored to be able to host it here uh, in the mid to early December for a few nights. And of course, the, the great job the kids did that night. The director, Mr. Steve Gustus, here in the front row, did a great job um, uh, leading that production. And we were glad to host it. As Debbie said, we want to be for Cedar Lake. And, and that means a lot of things with the blood drives and the food pantries and uh, the events we host here and the thing, you know, the different uh, addictions programs. And anything we can do to invite people in and serve them is a big deal to us. And so um, hosting the high school here for a few nights was fun. And um, because of that, we decided to take our December sermon topics and turn them into the idea of Backstage Christmas, to kind of partner with the idea that when someone comes to watch a show, you know, everyone sees the show, but you don't always see all the work that goes into the show. There's a whole lot that happens to make that possible. And we're talking about Christmas being the greatest story ever told, right? It's the story of Jesus and his coming. What a big deal that is. That's the greatest story ever told. If it was a show, it's the greatest show. And um, so as we celebrate that, we wanted to think about the fact that there were more went into the story of Jesus and his coming at Christmas time than just what everyone saw when the curtain opened. There was a whole backstage thing happening. And so I wanted to kind of come back to that tonight. I'm going to do a little review about what we talked about and then make an application. And uh, this, um, this is um, not our, our normal MO on Christmas Eve. Um, sometimes we have a different flow here. But this is our also not just a Christmas Eve service, but this is in place of our Sunday morning because tomorrow morning we will not be gathering. We're meeting tonight uh, for the weekend. So because of that, I wanted to wrap up our conversation together and walk into Christmas. So what we said from the very beginning was that when it comes to a production and all the work that happens backstage, the most important person in a production is obviously the director. Not only the director, you got to have the cast and the crew and all the other people, but the director's the one who gets the vision first. They're the one who thinks about what the play will be. Maybe they write the play or the show or they buy the rights to the show. They're the person who gets all the work done to, to think about and cast the vision. Where will it be presented? Who will I invite in to help us with the important roles? And the director is doing a lot of work, sometimes years, at least months before a show takes place. The director's hard at work. And that's true with the Christmas story. That's true with the story of Jesus as well. That uh, a lot happened way before G the, the curtain opened and Jesus was, was in a manger. That, in the, that God the Father is the director, right? And God the Father, the director of the, the greatest story ever told, was at work way before we laid eyes on baby Jesus. In fact, we can read and see how that he was back there prophesying that he was coming one day and, and preparing people to, uh, preparing a family and a nation to be the, the carriers of this Messiah and, and predicting it ahead of time. You see, you see the uh, world empires like the Greek empire that rose and made a common language throughout so much of the world at that time. 
And then, of course, you see uh, the spreading of the Roman Empire after that and the building of roads and all the prep work that set the stage for something to happen at just the right time to spread the message globally as it has. And by the way, it has. That's why we're here 2,000 years later on the other side of, of Earth, of, of our planet, worshiping the name of Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, uh, it all started because the director was at work way before the show began. And what we said a few weeks ago was this, that the director sees now what you can't see yet. That before anyone saw Jesus, God was already at work setting the stage. And then when everyone saw what happened, he was already long at it. And that's true with the story of Jesus, and that's true with your story as well. That whatever's going on in your life today and you wonder what God's up to or is he up to anything, I have good news for you. The director is working and he sees now what you cannot see yet. Trust him. Uh, the show, the curtain will open one day and it will be obvious. Then we talked about how that is not just what happens on stage, but what happens off stage that makes a difference in a show. In other words, it's not just the cast. Everyone knows the cast but it's also the crew, the people who work behind the scenes. Maybe they prefer to be, to be behind the scenes. They want to be unseen. But they're as essential to turning the lights on and getting the microphones working and changing the props because the show does not happen without the crew as well as the cast. And uh, so whatever role we all play in the greater story, there's always the crew and the cast. And interestingly, in the story of Jesus, you had characters like, uh, like Zechariah working faithfully in the temple, and Elizabeth, his wife, who, who encouraged a young pregnant Mary who was scared and sh embracing news that, that shook up her world. You have people all over the place, like others we did not talk about, who were behind the scenes. They were not there when the curtain opened, but they were essential to the story because what happens off stage is as important as what happens on the stage. We said that the director sees what you do even when no one else does. He always notices, he always sees, and he is always there to encourage you. Well, we talked also about the casting and how the, a young woman was cast, a virgin, to be the carrier of the Messiah. And she had to say to that invitation, I am your servant, may the Lord's will be done. And to a young man who was engaged to be married to her, who was willing to stay the course instead of leaving, though he was tempted to, and raise a child that was not his own, and take on that financial responsibility in a very poor family. And for him to say, I will do what the Lord asks, I will do his will. But not just Mary and Joseph, but even Jesus, from the eternity past, when the vision was cast by the Father, who created the world in love, and who gave us uh, life and then gave us choice, freedom of choice in love. And then was willing to, to know that choices bring consequences and we'd make a mess of it and to step into our mess to redeem us back to himself and to open his arms wide for relationship but still give us a choice in love. And that plan from the very beginning included Jesus who in even the last moments before he made that sacrifice said, I'm your servant, not my will but yours be done. And Mary and Joseph and Jesus all accepted the role that was offered to them, and they all said yes. And we celebrate the cast, because we said earlier, the director knows who he needs for what he's doing, and he knows how to cast. And then last Sunday, a few days ago, we talked about how that the star shone in the east, and the wise men came from the far east bringing gifts, and the shepherds were in the backfields of Jerusalem or of Bethlehem watching their flocks, and the angels appeared to them, and they came, and, and, and the whole point of a show is an audience, and there was that first audience that were invited to come and see opening act. But not only coming to see the opening act, but also to leave there 
and as the shepherds did, telling everyone else about the greatest show and inviting them and letting them know and spreading the word. And we said this, we said that the director loves inviting people to the show. He wants, them, he wants everyone to be welcome, everyone to come, and everyone to see what is happening. All of that led up to this. It's Christmas Eve. We're celebrating. And yes, I love Christmas Eve. I love it for a lot of reasons. This is my, as Debbie alluded to earlier, I get, this is our first Christmas, not just with uh, our children and the people that they were dating, but now two, in, uh, two of them are married and we have a son-in-law officially and a daughter-in-law officially for the first time this Christmas. And we go home in a while, maybe see some Christmas lights and, you know, and wake up and, and, and open some presents. I'm excited about the whole thing. But I'm really excited about the fact that we can all center around this greatest story. And the real reason, as a family, as a church family, as friends, and as new faces, we can celebrate what it's all about. And it all leads up to opening night. If we're talking about backstage Christmas and the greatest show, opening night is when the curtain finally opens. And when the curtain finally opened, opening night, what did they find? What do we find? We find it in Luke chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Kind of a simple opening, isn't it? A stable. Not even a house, not a mansion, not a palace. No wise men or gifts yet. Just a manger in a stable with two very young and very poor, uh, well, a mom and a stepdad in a manger. Such a simple, underwhelming opening to a play. But here's the thing about a play. Here's the thing about a book or a story or a show or a movie. You never get the full story in Act 1. Act 1 is just the start. Sometimes if you like to read or watch a show, sometimes Act 1 is basically just kind of setting the stage to get you to know who the characters are. And you won't really know what the show is all about until later on in the story. And if you just stop at Act 1 and say, oh, I kind of get, I see the opening act, I know what's going to happen, you might miss the whole point. And Act 1 finds a manger and a baby lying in the manger. And a couple of young people figuring out what comes next. It's kind of underwhelming, but it's just the beginning. Each year, each year, Christmas is a celebration of the opening act. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate the opening act every 25th of December as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as believers. We celebrate the opening scene. But you'll never understand what Christmas means until you understand the full story. Until you see the whole show. And so a couple of decades after Jesus lived his life, died on the cross, and, and, and rose again, a couple decades after that, I mean, we're talking about many decades after his birth, a man whose name was Paul, who was a missionary, who, who was saved by the message of Jesus and became a, a zealous missionary to spread the message everywhere about Jesus' whole life. He traveled and he, and, and he uh, established groups of believers in every city and every country he could come to. And then he would leave and go to another place. And then he would write letters back to the places that he already was. 
And many of those letters he wrote have been included and canonized in our Christian scriptures or our New Testament. One of those letters he wrote was to a group of people in the city of Philippi. We call it the Book of Philippians. And here's what Paul said about the whole story of Jesus. In Philippians 2.7, Paul said, He, Jesus, he gave up his divine privileges. In other words, he was born with it all. And he laid all of those privileges aside and said, I'm going to step into a world to fix a problem that's not my own. That's not my mess. But I'm going to step in because someone's got to do something. He, lay, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And that's opening night. That's the first scene that Paul's referring to. Now we're going to come back to Philippians 2, so don't forget that. We're going to look at some more verses here. But Paul's going to kind of walk us through the whole story, one verse at a time. But he says here, it all started with that birth. That's Act 1. Act 2 is later. Act 2 sees the baby grown up. Now he's a man. Now he's serving people around him. Now he's caring for others. Now he's feeding the hungry. Now he's healing the sick. And now he's gathering a crowd through all those miracles and he's speaking about God's love and about God's kingdom to every person who would listen. And the word is spreading. I love what John said. John was one of Jesus' closest disciples and John was there for the, all the action. And John describes it this way in chapter one and verse 14. He says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And John said, may I tell you what, it was amazing to watch him at work. I love what Paul, I'm sorry, another disciple named Peter, who was also there, front row seats for the whole show. I love what Peter said later on when he was explaining it to a group of people, who by the way, just like Paul in the verse we read earlier, people who were not from their nation, but to other nations of people and other races of people to, because the message was for everybody. And Peter was talking to other people and, and other nations of people and he explained it this way. He said in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with a Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. I love that statement. He, he says God was with him. It's interesting because the phrase, uh, one of the names that was given to Jesus by the angels when he was born, which was predicted hundreds of years ahead of time, was that he would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. And we celebrate at Christmas that God is with us. But what's interesting is throughout Jesus' ministry, it was said that God the Father was with him. And he went about doing good as we all should do. And so you have Act 1, the baby in the manger. You have Act 2, uh, Jesus going about as an adult serving and, and making a difference and drawing a crowd and getting everyone's attention only to lead them back to a packed out city of Jerusalem during Passover time when everyone came and the courtyards of Herod's temple were flooded with hundreds of thousands of people pouring into the city on top of the ones who lived there already to celebrate their religious festivals and there, with a crowd primed and everyone ready, Act 3 begins. And like all stories, 
all good stories, all good movies, they all build to a climax, right? If you're watching a good show, the climactic scene is coming in the story somewhere. If it's a, rom- if it's a romantic movie or a book, it's going to probably end up with a, with a couple having some kind of a breakup and someone's got to chase the other one to get them back. If it's, if it's an action thriller, it's probably going to be that the, bad guy, the, bad, the evil person is beating down the hero and it's about to be hopeless. There's always that big climactic scene in every show, in every story. And the climax of the story of the greatest show builds not to a nostalgic scene, not to something that we think about in fun, colorful, bright terms, but outside of Jerusalem to a beaten and bloody and suffering Jesus dying on the cross. Paul, back earlier, Paul was writing about this to the people in the Philippians, uh, the Philippi. Philippians 2.8, Paul goes on and says about Jesus that he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. And there, for all of our sins, God's plan from the very beginning to in love create the world, in love give us life, in love give us choice because that's what love does does not control or make people into robots or puppets, but gives them freedom. Knowing that that can lead to bad choices and lead to a mess, but in love, planning from the very beginning to fix the mess, to redeem us back, to bring us back in, but still to give us the choice. And on the cross, Jesus presented the choice. When he demonstrated for the whole world to see what forgiveness looks like. And we know how hard forgiveness is, don't we? If we ever had to forgive someone, we know how hard forgiveness is because forgiveness is like, I've got to be willing to take what you did to me and somehow move past that. But that lets you off the hook. I don't want you to let off the hook. I, so, so forgiveness in its purest form is what Jesus demonstrated. And it's hard. It's tough. It's even bloody. It's when someone says, I will bear what you did wrong so you don't have to bear it. Because if I am more concerned about paying you back, this ain't going anywhere. So I'll just bear it. And Jesus in that moment said, this is what God's forgiveness looks like, that God wants us back more than he wants us to pay. So he paid. That's tough. And of course, the scene does not end on the cross. It seems to be the end, but again, as the story prevails into victory... Uh, Peter says again in Acts 10.39, he says, They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day, and the tomb was empty, and victory was won. And not only was forgiveness demonstrated to us, but the power of death and the power of the consequences that sin brings, the mess, the heartache, the devastation, the the loss, the suffering, the death, all the bad things that come from sin were defeated. There was a, a hope of eternal life. And, and, and restoration and redemption in not just the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. And really, we call that the gospel. Gospel means good news. And it is good news. But ultimately, it's a picture of the truest and most simplest explanation of what good news is. And that is what John said when he said, God is love. It's the ultimate love story. And so, we have the whole story. But at this point in the show, at this point in the show, the director now offers you and me an invitation to take our place in his story. Because the story doesn't end at Christmas. It doesn't end at the cross or even at the empty tomb. The story pauses at this space right here. 
waiting for you to decide if you want to accept the invitation to join the story. Romans 6.23, the scriptures say the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I would be remiss not to take Christmas to say to all of us today, if you've never received that free gift of God, that is eternal life. It's the greatest gift ever offered. It's the greatest gift ever given. It's all yours if you want it. It's a gift. And I'll tell you what now, I hope you get some great ones this year, right? I hope that Santa baby answers whatever you're, no, I'm just kidding. But I, whatever is, you got coming, I hope it's great. But here's the deal. The greatest gift ever given has been offered by God to each of us. And it's there. And it's free. And this Christmas, what a better way to celebrate it than to receive that gift. How do we receive it? John explains it. John, the disciple of Jesus, he says it this way in John 1.12. He says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That we go from being the creation of God, what a great gift that was, but we move from being his creation to be invited to be his children, part of the family. And it's an invitation for all of us. It's a free gift. And we're invited to believe and accept that gift, to believe and accept him. And that's your choice. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior this Christmas, why don't you have the best one ever? In a few minutes, we're going to sing some songs to candlelight, read some scripture. We're going to wrap this thing up. But in the seat back in front of you, there's a few cards, and the very back one says the gospel. You can pull that thing out. It talks about what I'm saying right now. even gives a sample prayer that you can pray if you want to, but you don't need to. But just take tonight and say, God, if you would do all that for me and offer me one more great invitation and choice, one more gift, I believe it and I accept it. And make this Christmas to be the one where you get the greatest gift you've ever received. But if you've done so already, would you remember that? Because even then, the story's not over. Even then, the story, to this day, the story's not over. As Devin referred to earlier, there's one more coming scene to finish the story. The story, the, the, the finish is coming. We don't know how it's going to go exactly because we haven't seen it, but we got a little sneak peek. A little sneak peek at the script. Paul, writing to the Philippians, gives us that sneak peek. Verse 9 of Philippians 2, verse 9, he says, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, that's the final scene. That's when the whole thing's done. And when that happens, he shall reign forevermore. And that's how we're going to wrap up our night tonight before we go after our candlelight portion. We're going to leave here singing, he shall reign forevermore. Because, yes, we celebrate opening act. Christmas is opening night. The first scene, the manger, we love it. But it ends, there's a whole narrative arc his ministry, his death, his resurrection, our invitation to receive what he did for us. And one day when he shall reign forevermore. We'll sing about that shortly. But first, but first, let's go back to opening night. I want to invite us to pray. After we pray, we're going to get ready to read this Christmas story together and sing. But let's pray together first. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every person who came out on this Christmas Eve again to take a time, a time when we can be caught up with all the Christmas movies we're trying to check off our list or all the last-minute wrapping, hopefully no more shopping, and, and just getting ready for maybe family time and maybe just whatever we were doing for all the people who came out to just remember you and the reason for the season as believers. Those we, we choose to celebrate above all the other festivities, this greatest gift ever each year. And God, I pray that if anyone here has never received your gift of salvation, that they would even right now believe it and accept it and let this be the best Christmas they've ever had. And Lord, for those who have already done so, help us to remember, no matter what else is going on, good or bad, whatever, whatever other exciting dreams we're chasing or other goals we're achieving or heartaches we're bearing, that we have been given the greatest gift ever. A Savior who loved us, a God who is love. Good news. We receive it, and we celebrate it tonight. Be with us now as we get ready to read and as we get ready to sing. May the night be... Well, may the night be memorable in all the right ways. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Here's what we're going to do as we wrap this thing up. I'm going to invite you to read the beginning because, again, Christmas is the celebration of opening night. So I know how the story ends or we know how the story will end, but we're going to dial it all the way back to Christmas night, to the manger, Mary and Joseph. So we're going to read together the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2. I'm going to ask somebody to do me a favor while we read and, and, and turn off the, the... Oh, no, you don't have to do it. It's all up here, isn't it? We're going to turn, off these, we're going to turn these lights on down here. As the lights are being dimmed, I encourage you to get your candles out. If you don't have done so already, find them. You can hold them next to you. You can hold them up if you want to. And we're going to have one I'm available. I'm going to grab one off the ground here somewhere because why can't we participate, right? I'm going to dig one out of one of these containers. No, I, I'm not going to do that. Never mind. I got my, my pad right here. Thank you very much. Okay. We're going to read the Christmas story, and then we're going to sing. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me, if you would, please. A little dimmer. And let's, um, let's read the others. This is 20 verses long, and I'm going to try something that's a little challenging. I'm going to try to ask you to read all 20 verses with me. Can you do that? We have a flickering light. Um, I'm going to ask you to read them with me, all together. I'll try to keep a good cadence. When we're done reading them, we're going to sing a couple songs, and we're going to celebrate the beginning of the greatest story ever told. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read it in the uh, Old English translation, the King James translation, because it's very familiar. Let's read it together. The verses will be on the screen. Join me. Ready? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, 
the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told. Amen. Let's sing together and worship. <clears throat> 